What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network in association with Muller She Wrote Media. I'm your host, Kimberly Johnson in D.C. Today, my guest is comedian Andy Kindler. He played the character of Andy, a fellow sports writer on the TV show Everybody Loves Raymond. He was a regular on David Letterman. He was a contributor to The Daily Show, and he's performed on HBO. I can't wait to talk to him. But before we get into it, the Start Me Up podcast is independent, supported by listeners, and it's woman-run. A great big thank you to everybody who's supports the show. If you enjoy today's podcast, visit patreon.com slash start me up. Check out all the tiers. I do include a tier with a much shorter intro and no ads. You can hear the free shows on Tuesdays and Thursdays and they're followed up by What's Up, a show just for patrons where I talk about anything that comes to mind. It's a little more personal, kind of like my online diary. Visit patreon.com slash start me up. And don't forget, you can find Start Me Up on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found. Now please enjoy my conversation with Anne. Andy Kindler. Welcome to the show, Andy. Oh, well, thank you for having me. Why am I sounding so stilted? <laughs> I'm so glad you're on the show because I've been wanting people who are, I don't know, uplifting or funny or something because the news is so fucking awful. So um, I'm just so happy to have you here. <laughs> My pleasure. Um, okay, let's get right into it. Uh, I know like you've I said in the intro, you were on Everybody Loves Raymond, which, by the way, I used to watch that. Duh, everybody did. Um, and you wrote for The Daily Show. You've been on David Letterman. Wait, wait, wait. I was on The Daily Show. Oh, you wrote. You were on The Daily Show. Did you write and for fired. The Daily Show? I fired. I was fired from The Daily <gasps> you Show. You fired? Why? Uh, because they said the actual reason was, well, you're in L.A., Andy, and we're here in New York. You know, I was doing it by satellite. Uh-huh. Said, well, we're here by New New York, Andy, and you're in L.A. I said, oh, of course. I didn't even think of that. It's impossible. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. It was, it was when that Ben Carlin was the showrunner, kind of. Oh, I think okay. his name was Ben Carlin from The Onion. Okay. It was I, a bad scene over there. That sucks. <laughs> that sucks. I'm not a big John Stewart fan anymore. I, I really, really, after he supported Joe Rogan. He's off my list. Yeah, yeah. No, Joe Rogan is don't like that guy. I didn't even know he supported Joe Rogan. I think I vaguely isn't that recent. Yes, he said uh, the thing you have to realize is that Joe's not an ideologue and he's a nice guy. No, no. Joe is a conspiracy theorist yes. and he's not a nice guy. He's <laughs> a misogynist. Mis- is it misogynist? I don't think I got that right. Misogynist. <laughs> Well, when it's me, I'm a misogynist. Wow. Well, and then you were also on David Letterman, which I want to ask you about in a little bit. But um, before we get into all that good stuff, what, like, just tell us what you're doing now, especially during this pandemic. What, what's going on that's new? Well, what happened was, and this was actually very fortuitous, if that, you know, I'm starting to use words from reading the New Yorker. Uh, and that would not be a word that would be a, a special word for them. I, do, I didn't know what, what that was going. I knew what that meant going in. Yeah. So uh, uh, what happened was in 2013, I recorded this like live. I, oh, you know, I love Mitch Hedberg and I love. So I got into yeah. my mind. That I really wanted to do a audio only album. So I recorded it in 2013, but because I have OCD, I mean, I really have it. I'm not kidding. And uh, ADHD, I never re- released it because I kept wanting to release it as a physical album. Uh-huh. So when the when the uh, when the pandemic hit, this was a I all of a sudden knew. Okay, you may never release this now. And so and also I really could see it that I never wanted a future thing in a club where someone comes up with a diseased paper copy of your thing, you know what I mean? Right. A diseased CD. <laughs> and they, wanting you to sign it and they're sniveling, not sniveling, but they're sniffling, right? right? Yeah, so yeah. I did I did it. it. It forced me to put it out and I couldn't be happy. It's called Hence the Humor okay. and it's just available on video download. You can't, you cannot get a uh, disease, uh, 
no diseases. <laughs> no disease with purchase. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm, I'm really happy with it because uh, and the only reason why I'm still talking about it is because I have nothing else in two years. Yeah. What else could I possibly do? <laughs> I'm not leaving my – oh, the other thing I'm doing is cameos. And I'm oh, not really? trying to promote myself for the cameos. I'm just saying I'm cheap. I'm thirty-five <laughs> ninety-nine. Are you kidding me? For that price, you could you could hate what I'm going to say. I know, really. <laughs> <laughs> so with the with the pandemic and everything that's gone on, um, have you just been home? Have you? I mean, outside of the album, have you been doing anything else? Like, what have you been doing with yourself? I know it must be hard. Well, here's what. Okay, here's 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 what happened, and uh, normally. Normally I wouldn't go because you said didn't you say that this podcast is for people who are looking to laugh? Or you, I, I'm or looking. Gonna, I'm looking to, to laugh. <laughs> I'm looking to, to laugh. laugh. Yes, I want. You're making me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then I won't tell you what happened then, for real. Uh, no, I will tell you what happened for real because it's been it's been two years. Right as the pandemic started, uh, uh, and it's a long story, but I lost my mom and my oh. sister in ten days. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. From each other, and this is, and then of course. The worst part was that it happened during COVID because I had to spend yeah. on every condolence call right. an extra five minutes to explain, no, it's not from COVID. I know it should be from COVID. Right. But they, my, my, my mother had been sick for a long time. Oh. My mother had Parkinson's mm-hmm. and my sister had been sick for a long time. Just one of these weird right. things. I had such a lucky life pretty much up to my dad passing away in 2015. So it was just like, yeah. um, it kind of knocked me for a loop. And yeah. then I my wife is, uh, we're both, I'm 65. I'm going to admit it to you. Watch my wife. <laughs> and my wife is 66 and she's got asthma. Well, so I have really not wanted to give, to mm-hmm. get any version of the COVID or to give any version of the COVID mm-hmm, to, her, mm-hmm. to her. Understandable. Yeah, absolutely. I haven't, I have, I've been extremely cautious and I'm worried because my mother's birthday is today. She's 75. And I think we're going to go to a restaurant. She wants to go to a restaurant um, on Saturday night. I have not been to a restaurant. My boyfriend, Bob Suska, he's been to a restaurant a couple times with his dad. But it's, I mean, where my mother lives, the county where she lives, it's, I've been checking the COVID cases per day. And it's been in the teens. And we're all, like, vaccinated and boosted. So, fingers crossed. What does the teens mean? What are the, I mean, it's, that's the thing I'm confused about. See, I'm in a, a weird situation, too, because... <sighs> I like I've I've canceled every single thing on the road. I was supposed yeah. to go to Moon Tower, which is a really great festival in Austin, but I'm not going to go because I still don't feel yeah. I can leave yet. And then there's a big festival in July, so that's where I'm thinking of going. But I still don't know how I'm going to do it. Well, I just check. What I do is I say COVID new COVID cases, and then I just enter the county where I live, and ah, it means okay. it means you know on Google, and it's usually the New York Times that you get. Uh, their chart or whatever it is and so you know like my daily average for my county which is bigger than my mother's county is probably around 45 new cases per day her county is maybe 15 or 16 there was even like a day where it was nine so I'm, I'm just kind of hopeful and you know for for what it's worth and I've been telling people this and maybe I shouldn't but uh, please, please don't hold out any of Why would you hold out the information that you would give Bob and your good friends, but not me? Uh, okay, so they have not yet approved a second booster. Um, I think they might have approved it for like, or maybe they might have approved it for people 65 and older, and I'm not sure. So you might already like qualify legally. But for me, who I'm going to be 54 in July. Uh, I am not yet. You young kid. I know. I'm so young. I have not yet qualified. But I'll tell you that they're going to give it to you if you want it anyway. And they don't even ask questions. So, like, I called my grocery store and I said, hey, because, you know, the pharmacy part. I'm like, hey, I'm I'm immunocompromised, which I'm not. But I said, I'm immunocompromised. I don't have any proof of that. But can I come in and get a, a second booster anyway? And they're like, sure, come in. Just like you sign, you sign a, a waiver. But I feel like, okay, if anyone's afraid of signing the waiver, what are they going to do? Chase oh, you yeah. down and take you to jail because you said you had, <laughs> you said you were immunocompromised. And also, I know they're going to approve it. I, Pfizer right. CEO is like, okay, we're going to need another one, and we're going to send it out to independents, and they're going to agree with me. And I think, I think Moderna is now looking for a, another uh, booster shot. So 
if you want it, I'm just saying it's not hard to get. Uh, no, I'm, I'm totally with you because um, I've been doing paying attention like that, but I didn't pay attention because my wife looked through the regular channels. Yeah. But now we'll call Vinny, and Vinny <laughs> will call Eddie, and Eddie will call someone who has a jacket. This is the weird part, though. They open their jacket. And they have on the left side, they've got the uh, yeah, pneumonia shots. Exactly. On the right side. And it's legit. Because it says totally legit, legit on his pen. That's how you know. I would name my company. It's legit. It's legit. Come on, people. Oh, my God. Yeah, I have not gotten my second booster. I got my first booster on November 4th. And I'm just going to kind of give it a few, I don't know, weeks or two. So fingers crossed that we can all go to the restaurant and not get sick. So hopefully. <laughs> but um, anyway, you know what I wanted to ask That's you? That's what I'm hoping for. Too. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're all hoping for that. Um, okay, so I saw a tweet that you did the other day about licorice pizza. And Bob and I just yes. watched it on Saturday, and, and you didn't like it, so I want to talk about it. So what, what, what did you think of it? Well, the thing about it was that um... – I just didn't really – well, here's the thing. I have to say going in, I'm not a huge PTA fan right? only because I loved Boogie Nights. Me too. Me. Me too. Yeah. I even loved Magnolia the first time I saw it. But then I, I, people say that that gets less like that when hmm. you watch them more. <laughs> but he's very pretentious and he's very – you know, it's like I could, I'm, you know, I can sense that he's – I don't know, something about him writing this script and I would not write as a 15 year old kid now or mm-hmm. as a 25 year old woman or as I could barely write for myself but he's <laughs> got this like uh, he's a mad scientist and I just didn't think there was any that, that anything made sense we learned not, and I actually yeah. like Heim a lot that band right it's a good band yeah so I'm not I wasn't anti-Heim right uh, but it was like <laughs> You'd learn nothing about her. You'd learn no. nothing about anybody. And just and just seemed like a lot of, of teens running. <laughs> oh, my God. That's exactly what it was. And you know what? I, I'm not, I don't want to be the overly PC person who has to judge everything right. because I am totally the person. You know, I saw Garrett Morris talking about how – how did he say it something he was just i think he was talking about to kill a mockingbird but he was basically just saying no you should never ever take racism out of art because that's part of how we learn and i i agree as long as i don't i'm like i'm not into the kind of writing that would promote racism but when it just when it mirrors our society I, i i think we should absolutely have all those things and i will say that but i i didn't necessarily like the fact that the 25-year-old woman was crushing on this guy. And you know what? It's fine to write about that stuff. I, it's not that I'm such a prude, but I just, right, thought, right. I just thought, I don't know. I would ne- When I was 25 years old, I would never have been interested in a 15-year-old under any circumstances. I mean, take out the fact that it's illegal. I just was like, what do you, what, what do you have to be interested in in a 15-year-old? Yeah, yeah. I mean, just, it was You're weird. You're absolutely right. And also, it's, it looked like it was gerrymandered or whatever the word is when you jerry-rig it in there, you know? Yeah. Like, it, uh, what was the reason why she was attracted? Well, I guess she wasn't at I just couldn't even understand. It didn't compute. But I'm exactly yeah. like you. I, I'm, I'm just like, you know, I think if, obviously, if it was a man right. and a, you know, it would have been shut. The movie would have been shut down. Exactly. Yeah, it would have been. And and again, I mean, if there was a legitimate story, it would have made me uncomfortable. But but those things happen in real life, you know, and and whether or not you condone it, it happens. But it was just I don't know. It, it wasn't that it was so creepy. I just found it to be unrealistic. And, you know, in the very first shot of the movie, he you know, they were walking together and it was clear he was trying to win her over. And you could kind of tell that she was open to being won over. And that was what like it set the whole tone and I just thought, why? Like I would never be won why? over. Why by would a she be? Yeah. Why would she right? So Makes it was just weird. No sense. It was weird. And then also he was like this incredibly successful fifteen year old that would just decide, I'm going to have this business uh, you know, spoiler spoiler alert here. But I mean like he starts this pinball thing. It's like he's 15. I oh, I don't even understand. So this is where the movie left me so cold. Yeah. That it was like there's a scene where 
he goes uh, they, where he what is this scene where he goes your table's right this way 15 year old genius <laughs> no, like, doesn't he do a whole thing with oh, hello Eddie like everyone knows him the mayor knows right. I mean doesn't yeah. even think, this can't have happened yeah that this 15 year old is running the town <laughs> yeah right? it was just it was weird and I'm with you I didn't like it, and I'm not the biggest Paul Thomas Anderson fan either, although, yes, Boogie Nights is definitely one of my all-time favorite movies. Oh, it so, is Bob. So great. Yeah, Bob loves that movie, and I think together, we've been together for seven years, and I think we've probably seen it three or four times. I mean, and I saw it many times before that, so we go back to that. But I want to ask you this. Have you been watching on Hulu, Pam and Tommy? You know, I'm, I don't want to uh, do a stereotypical. I mean, it's, this is really a stereotypical Jewish issue. I like a lot of the things on Hulu. <laughs> can I? Uh, I mean, I know I can afford Hulu, <laughs> but I've already got Amazon Prime. I've already got your Apple TV. But no, but I, sh- I think I'm gonna have to get Hulu. And what's it called? It's called Pam oh, and, is it Pam Ta- and yeah. Tommy. Yes. Of the famous Pam and Tommy. Of the famous Pam. And I gotta tell you, it was funny bringing Bob back into the conversation initially when I saw the trailer for this I was like oh I want to watch it and he's like no I don't want to watch it it just looks scummy so then he heard reviewers who he admires praise it so he's like okay I'll check it out (laughs) (laughs) okay that's why I watched licorice pizza I thought that was gonna be People were starting to like it. Yeah, well, not me. Okay, but Pam and Tommy are really good. And what's interesting, and I noticed this almost immediately, is and it's just they're not characters. They're actual human beings. But they remind me of the characters in Boogie Nights because they really are basically just children. Uh, they're children with lots of money. And it's such a voyeuristic uh, approach. Even if you're not fan, like I was never a fan of, of either one of them. Um, no, yeah, I'm not. What's the one? I don't even know the one. One is Pam. A uh, Pam. Pam Anderson. Uh, what's your name? Pam Anderson. And Tommy's with what band? Tommy Lee from Motley Crue. Tommy oh, Lee. Oh, yeah, I never really. Tommy oh, wait, Lee with wait, the wait, big what, penis. What's the? <laughs> <laughs> say that again. You fell out. No, say it again. Oh, no, I said, you fell out. Oh, I said Tommy Lee with the big penis. Okay, now I remember that, but I also just remembered that the, one of the best movies I, I ever saw was this uh, recently, and everybody's seen it already. It's a documentary, but it's not uh, not about Motley Crue, but it's another heavy metal band that got therapy, uh-huh. and they all. Does this ring a bell to you? No. Uh, oh, it's like so great. They all agreed. It was. It's about a ten-year-old documentary, and it's not. But of course, it's not Motley Crue, but it's 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 another famous huh. heavy metal band, and they all agreed to have like a therapist. Really? Uh, I um, want to see that. Give them sessions during the tour. Wow. Metallica. Oh, okay, Metallica. Wow, I bet that is interesting. It's really great. It's really great. But well, um, I watch every Real Housewives in the world. I mean, it's like not every Real Housewives, but I'm not against watching uh, <laughs> uh, trashy, I mean, trash TV, but you're saying it's actually good TV. It's actually, Because it's, it's showing what's happening. Yeah, and it's, it's I mean, it's total Cheetos. Like, I, I call it Cheetos because it's like, there's comfort food and then there's like eating Cheetos and to me it's Cheetos TV but it's very interesting and again it's like the the Pam and Tommy they just act like kids and it's so funny because they got married like three seconds after they met and then there's the scene you know where they're sitting on the plane because I guess they married in Vegas I don't even remember but either way they get married and so they're married and Tommy looks at him and he's like so what's your favorite movie What's your favorite food? Like, they don't even know each other. <laughs> but the best, and I'm, I'm going to give a total spoiler, but I'm hoping that Good. this spoiler is going to intrigue you enough. There oh, is I'm already, <laughs> I'm already jotting it down. <laughs> so go there ahead, yeah. is this scene, okay, like full frontal everything. On, on show number two, it's a miniseries, so on the episode number two, <laughs> there is this scene where Tommy Lee is arguing with his penis and his penis is animated and it's kind of looking up at him and they're (laughs) having an argument and it's fucking brilliant. It is so funny. And I I was like watching it with my jaw on the floor. And then (laughs) later that night, we like Bob and I went to bed and we're laying in bed and all of a sudden out of the blue, I just like start laughing really loud. And he's like, what? And I said, I just had the image of like Tommy Lee watching the show and coming upon the scene, (laughs) seeing himself talking to his own dick. And it just made me laugh so hard. 
hard. Oh my god, it's it's uh. very entertaining and it is very voyeuristic. And I will say, even though I think they're both skanky, um, I do not believe that it should. Like Pamela Anderson is the one who was hurt because this is all about when they got the sex tape. And you know, I mean, she oh. she was hurt. I think emotionally. I don't think she was hurt. Her career really was not damaged by this, but. I can't even imagine. I don't like her, but nobody should have to experience, yeah, right. you know, the private moments yeah. for everyone to see. Um, so I'll, I exactly. just have to say that. But that said, I do think that, I mean, they, they both look fantastic. He sounds exactly like Tommy. She looks really close to being to Pamela. I mean, it's done really well. And is it oh, Seth wait, Rogen? Wait, this is not a documentary. You're saying this is a, I got confused. <laughs> so this is a, re, uh, uh, this is a uh, what do you call it when it's not real? It's, it's fiction. A bio, not a biopic. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like it's a miniseries fiction, just about not fiction, nonfiction story of their yeah biopic or whatever of their experience that when, and Seth is it Seth Rogen is that his name? He was yes. yeah Seth Rogen is in it. He's really good. It's just a great. It's just a great uh, show. I'm gonna watch it. It's no, totally quite, fun. And there's other things on Hulu too. Not that you're advertising, Hulu, <laughs> but I've heard there are other things on the Hulu there that are. Andy Kindler might enjoy because I refer to myself as Andy Kindler. <laughs> Oh, my God. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back after this message. Oh, hi. It's Kimberly. Are you my patron? Why aren't you my patron? If you just go to patreon.com slash startmeup, you're going to see all the tiers I offer. You're going to see so much. You're going to see everything. Just go to patreon.com slash startmeup and become my patron today. You won't regret it. Okay, we're back. Now, I want to know, what was it, I just want to know what it was like to be on Letterman so many times, and what was it like the first time you were on Letterman? This is the most, I would say, like, I definitely, when I got on Letterman, I, and I really said after I'd been on a few times, like, this is all I really ever wanted, so yeah. I have to remember this to not get bigger about anything, because that was really kind of the dream, I, I'm 65, so that was kind of the dream of, I kind of missed the Johnny Carson, obviously yeah. I would not miss watching Johnny Carson, but right. I missed the chance to get on his show. I started comedy in like 84 and I wasn't in any uh, shape to be on a TV show uh, until uh, that show was like, uh, he was ready to leave. And I just always loved Letterman yeah. from, the, from the, from from the morning show time. And so uh, I just always try, I tried to get on the show. And the first time I got on the show was in uh, 1996 and I was so nervous and I really didn't think I did well. You know, it's like right. some people, like who, who was the example? Roseanne, she killed, right? Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. I did not kill, and then I wasn't back for four years. And I did this joke when I came back four years later. I said, uh, "I was here four years ago, and I'm back now. And I just want to say, uh, I can't live on this kind of money." So, uh, <laughs> and then I had a good set that night. And then he, it was just the incredible thing that happened was that he had stopped doing. Um, you know, remote pieces. He used to do those things where he went out and he would, uh, remember he used to just bulbs or yeah. he would go to all these stores <laughs> yes. and just do really funny pieces, <laughs> but he couldn't do them anymore because he was mobbed every time oh, he went right, out. Yeah. So I really was uh, hired to do those kind of pieces. He did. So I did like 30 of wow. these pieces of like just going around, uh, interviewing people after the world, after the uh, big, Collapsed in 2008. Yeah. I I was uh, did a whole piece on college graduates who are, <laughs> you know, going to try to go into the workforce. So it was just a dream come true. Wow, that's so cool. I mean, you know, we're watching. I'm trying to remember where it is. It might be on HBO, but there's another documentary, and it's a legit documentary about. Um, late night talk shows and it starts I think on the 40s and 50s I think the one that we started on was Carson and then there was obviously Letterman and Leno and History of Late Night that's what it's called and it's it's so fascinating and I mean geez who, who does it I mean who does it I, again I, th I think it's HBO but if you just Google, oh, okay. I think if you Google like documentary history of late night you'll it's find it it's not CNN though right I don't think so I don't think it is all those the 80s yeah and the 70s yeah yeah and the, which yeah. i love all those things but yeah the history of late night is really good and um i've just i mean god i can't t david letterman is genius and i love him so i can't even imagine how cool it would be to get to do what you it, did and and work with i mean i was in the, the the dressing room where i mean john lennon was in you know wow. like, I was in, like that theater is still yeah. well not now but, but right. The, the, right before they you know before cobra went i even think cobra kept Colbert kept a lot of stuff too. Yeah, it was just really like 
I was on the sixth floor, fifth floor, right? So there's a couple of times I almost missed my set because. Wow. <laughs> so it's just all these things. It was like, I mean, I, it really is like something I'll never forget. Yeah. It, it was so, and it went on for many years, like you know, a few years at yeah. least. So it was like at least wow. like uh, oh, from 2000, I think something early 2000s to when right before he ended, which mm-hmm. was I think in 15. Yeah, maybe. And so what about, what was it like to work on Everybody Loves Raymond? Well, this is the thing, too. It's like, I feel like, you know, I, I remember I was listening, I was listening to an interview with Kath, Catherine O'Hare mm-hmm. from SCTV, and, mm-hmm. and they were asking her about what it was like to be in SCTV. And I realized that um, it's really, really, not that I was a, a major character on, on Everybody Loves Raymond, but it's, it's so hard to, I, I loved watching that show, mm-hmm. but it's so hard to think of, it's so hard when you've been on a show because it's not the same experience. Yeah. You know, it's like, uh, um, it was always a thrill. It was always amazing, but it was really like, um, it, it, I didn't, couldn't appreciate going through the, the first time. Well, I'm not going through it the second time because I was so nervous. I mean, right. it was like yeah. 1995, 1996. I had done a pilot for a show, uh, that got picked the same year that Raymond, I got, was on another CBS show that could have gotten picked up, so but didn't get picked up, yeah. and then they put me on Ram. I mean, it was just like a dream come yeah. true, but it was very, very, very nerve nerve wracking. Mm-hmm. It was at the beginning for sure, but uh, then I got to be very comfortable acting like with the studio audience. Yeah, it's kind of fun. Yeah, I can, yeah, definitely. I mean, I've been in. I used to be an actor, so I've done plays and things like that. I never was on a TV. I mean, I was on television shows, but not as you know, as an extra, and so. But um, I was on, it was funny, I was on Mad About You, and they hired me as a bit part, or a bit player, or for a bit part, or something like that, which is basically such a minuscule upgrade from uh, an extra. And, <laughs> and I will say the only reason I was even an extra, because I never wanted to be an extra, was because at that particular time, there was some company that you'd sign up with, and they would get you... I think like union auditions because I wanted my SAG card. And so if you got like a certain amount of union jobs, three union jobs, including an audition for a union job or something like that, then you would get your SAG card. So I just, I I bit the bullet and I did it. And, but they did hire me initially, like I said, as a bit player. And the funny thing was they wanted somebody tall. I'm six foot tall. So they wanted someone tall. I got to the set. It was the first time I'd ever been on any kind of television show. And the crazy thing was there was a girl from my eighth and ninth grade class, like, you know, (laughs) who I went to, she was an extra. And then um, I guess the producers decided they were going to use someone else to, to be the bit part. And, and the funny thing was is that I got way more airtime, and I was, I was recognized by people in my grocery store and my bank. I mean, not anyone I didn't know, but they're like, hey, I saw you on Mad About You, and so I thought that was kind of funny. And then the other funny thing was I used to also be an outside salesperson, and I sold giftware. And so there was this one day I happened to be at some woman's store, and she mentioned, and I can't even remember his name, but the guy who played Robert, the tall guy on Everybody Loves Raymond. What's his oh, name? Oh, yeah, Brad Garrett. Yes, Brad. Um, Brad Garrett, yeah. And I remember, because he's so tall, and I'm six foot tall, and I thought, I want to go on a date with him. And I tried so hard to get her to, like, introduce me, and it never happened. So Brad Garrett <laughs> and I did not fall in love. <laughs> six, six, six. Yeah, he's huge. Maybe. He's giant. Yeah, yeah. But I just thought, I mean, God, just for the height alone, I just want to, you know, have that experience. What's it like? Because I never went out with anybody that tall. You know, um, it's so funny you said that. I was a good friend of mine, uh, Brenda Pontiff. When I first met her, uh, we, I was I was like flirting with her at the improv. This is like in the late 80s, right? Mm-hmm. Early 90s. And then after about an hour, I, she didn't realize I was standing on a stair. I was standing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm five, five and a half, or as my friend called me. Sanko de Mayo, and she's around six feet tall. And it was unbelievable. I mean, literally, her she was like giving me some good vibes until yeah. she saw me Aww. shrink, <laughs> literally shrink. <laughs> oh wow! Well, I've definitely gone out with guys that are shorter than me, and you know, there was this one guy that I really liked, and and he, I think he was about five eight. So you know, I'm six feet tall. If I I if I was going to wear heels, I would be like huge compared to him. But it was really funny because it just, I didn't care. 
You know, I liked right. him and I just didn't care. And before I went out with him, I had gone out with guys who were either my height or slightly shorter than me. And I always felt weird. And it wasn't about the guys. It was about me, you know, because society tells us that the right. men have to be bigger than the women. And so it feels weird to be bigger than a man when it's a romantic situation. And, you know, it's just a patriarchal bullshit thing. But eventually, exactly. yeah, like, but when I met this guy, this other guy, I mean, it wasn't like full on love or anything, but we just really got along. We were dating and having fun. And like, I didn't give a shit about his height. And he didn't, he didn't, neither one of us cared. And it was awesome. So, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the weird thing that happened to me, I was in college and I dated this woman for a couple of years. And I was so clueless that she was, she kept stuffing me with food. I said, like, why are you? She was, uh, she thought that she was bigger than me, that she looked bigger. Right. Than me. And, but, but for, a, but th I'm so clueless for a whole year. She's shoving quiches. And that, I can't, what are you doing to me? She's trying to fatten Fat me you up. up. <laughs> oh my God. That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I wanted to ask you um, about the stand up life. Because it was funny, mm -hmm. you know, I used to be an actor, like I said, and my acting coach had said to me one time, you know, you should, you should go do stand-up. Uh, because I can be funny, but I'm not like stand-up comedian funny. I have my moments, you know, and I can be legitimately funny, but I would not, I have no desire to try to figure out that whole life. And plus, I, I'm like the homebody who likes to be home at night. And so yes. the idea of mm -hmm. like hanging out in a club at night just is not my thing. So I wanted to ask you, like, first of all, when did you know that this is what you wanted to do? And second, how is like, do you like that lifestyle? Is it does it fit your personality or how does that work for you? Well, originally I was going to be a musician because I grew up, I played classical violin. I switched to guitar wow. and then I, well, I hated the violin, but I switched mm. to guitar and I was writing songs and I was in bands in college. So that was uh, originally what I had planned to do, but it was like. I moved out to Los Angeles since 1978, and there were probably 30 million singer-songwriter <laughs> guitarists. You know, so I just happened to stumble in. I was, I had a lot of day jobs. I was selling stereos uh, at a place called University Stereo, and I met my friend Bill, who was a therapist at one point, and he kind of encouraged me to do stand-up. So for a couple of years, I was a, I was in a duo, and then in 1987, I went on my own, and I was on the road for about five years. Wow. And I kind of loved, the, at that time, I loved the road. And it, oh, even to recently, I really loved the road because I never went out on, uh, even even the year that I was on the road for 40 weeks a year, well, that was pretty intense. Yeah. But, but those were the days when they used to have clubs were Tuesday through Sunday or even Monday through Sunday. But now, in the last 10 years or whatever, all the gigs are usually like Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Mm. So I actually loved the lifestyle until the pandemic. Yeah. And now it's like, I just don't, you know, I love my wife and neither one of us, you know, it just seems like uh, I'm actually excited not to be traveling so much, yeah. but that's only because of the pandemic. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the pandemic has definitely changed things. I know for me, it's like, I've, I think it'll just be a matter of getting back out into the world, but I have a little bit more anxiety about just go going out there. And it's not necessarily anxiety about COVID. It's just general anxiety. And it's weird because, I mean, I, I've never been overly anxious, but I've definitely, like I said, I've always been a homebody. And I've always, it's funny, if I'm home for too long, I need to get out. And often what right. happens is I get out and I'm like, oh, my God, I need to get back home. <laughs> and so I got my well, little time this out. Thing is, it's, this thing is just unpredictable. Yeah. Too. I mean, you have the you've got this the all these different like Rob Schneider. And I never thought I, I was doing this joke about I never thought comedian. I always thought bad comedy was bad, but it, but now it can kill you. You know, you can go <laughs> exactly. see Adam Carolla and it will kill you if you follow his advice about the vaccine. Right. You know. Yeah. So. uh <laughs> So uh, um, I don't know what I was talking about, but but the, uh, the but not going out. I don't know what I mean. I, I have oh, I, I, my mind goes blank every seven seconds. So. That's okay. So does mine. Just about the anxiety of of being locked up for two years. Yes, yes. Yeah. Oh, also I was going to say, uh, not to make fun of your height, but you are, have a better COVID chance than me. I do because I'm tall. Yeah, because you're a little tall. You can you can separate. I know there's people six <laughs> two. But you can kind of do a little separation thing and feel as if you have a better chance. <laughs> so that makes up for the years of the 
how's the weather up there, Joe? <laughs> Which I got, or do you play basketball? <laughs> it's oh, like, and, oh, my what? God. That's the worst, mm-hmm. and that's what I would probably have said, too. It's just we're compelled. <laughs> we're compelled as Americans to go, I think that woman can dunk. <laughs> or they, they look at my shoulders because I have very broad shoulders, and everyone assumes I'm a swimmer, which I'm a good swimmer, but I'm not a regular swimmer, so no. I just, <laughs> I just have broad shoulders. Um, I think that women have not been treated well in this country. <laughs> no, they haven't, which brings me to my probably last, but – Next question. Or penultimate. Could be the penultimate. Yes, it could. So I know you're friends with Jen Kirkman, who I absolutely fucking love. And um, she's always talking about the double standards in comedy. And, and you know, and I see Great. her on Twitter all the time. And I totally feel her frustration when she's doing things that male comedians are doing, but getting a lot of shit from people, you know, like the Joe Rogan type listener giving her shit for doing the same thing and I was just you know and like everything that I've ever heard her say about she's always said nice things about you and I'm just wondering you know as a male in that industry because it really is a huge 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 boys club um do you see it like changing do you think it's getting better what do you think that could happen to make it easier for female comedians because I know it's really fucking hard I think it's definitely here's how it's better when I started comedy, uh, Ellen DeGeneres could not say that she was gay. You right, know, Rosie yeah. O'Donnell and uh, very few men. I think it was even yeah. more like uh, men were even more scared. Not just, I think everybody was scared who was yeah. gay. But, uh, you know, like, um, so, and then people didn't even talk about, and then there was so much homophobia mm-hmm. and so much uh, horrible comedy in the 80s. So I think now <laughs> is the greatest opportunity yeah it was just terrible now i think it's the greatest um atmosphere that's ever been so Hmm. i really do think it's tremendous breakthrough it's like you know if you were a black comic in the in the early 80s you know go. i know what your people are thinking you know you have to comment that you're black and on stage because it was such a white dominant and and also white dominated profession and then uh, making fun of of anything that's urban and or de- yeah. defining it as urban, so I think it's broke. But I think for women, it's even more insidious huh, yeah. because I think people their anger about you know my you know my sister she passed away. I told you that mm-hmm. my sister like you know I, I was such a was an educator for for so many years. She's just a brilliant teacher, and she uh, and she also like like I, I I grew up with her and like. I, I remember, and I was very mad at my mom and dad because they were like pressuring her. She was on 900 uh, calorie a day diet oh when she God. was like 12 years old. So, so I saw, I saw firsthand yeah. how this country mm-hmm. uh, is so de- prejudiced about you know weight and all these things. And so I, I think it's still has to be horribly hard for a woman because. I, uh, because, you know, I kind of like hate like people like Ricky Gervais, but mm-hmm. one of the things Ricky Gervais does is always go, Hey, I make fun of the way I look. So why can't I make fun of the way women look? Or it's like, no, it's not the same thing. It's not, yeah, it, no, it, it isn't it's the, not the same thing. thing. So I think it's always, always difficult. There's been progress, but I don't know if you realize this, but just a couple of years ago, Trump was president. <laughs> Trump. <laughs> so we all could, so it's like, we're getting better, but we could all go over a cliff. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's true. But, you know, it's funny. I mean, you've they've got that story, that famous story that J- John Belushi uh, said women aren't funny. And obviously that's just complete bullshit. I mean, the women yeah, on, on right. the show with him were hysterically funny. And, you know, I mean, it's just it's just a stupid thing to say. It's just it just looks. How about so... Hitchens? How about Hitchens said it? Christopher Hitchens yes. said it 10 years ago. Yeah. I mean, it just. It's, it's the same sad. thing. Here's the thing. I'm learning from being involved in political stuff that everything is a cover for not everything, but many things are a cover for white supremacy. Yes. So, so this thing about trans people. Yeah. This is about another way to say you are an other. Uh huh. You're, de- and so it's gone on forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really it's much. it's so fucking boring, but it's still happening. And you know, I mean, it's yes. like I always like to point out I'm Gen X. When I was in my 20s, 30s, whatever, I oh, especially my 20s, I just had a natural assumption that by this time, 
there would be black women presidents yeah. or Asian women presidents or, you know, uh, uh, just diverse. I figured we'd have a very diverse group of ex-presidents by this time, and it just obviously hasn't happened. And I well, think the world the is going insane. Yeah, I know. I know. There's just like, a, as Mary Trump will say, mm -hmm. she was the most qualified mm -hmm. person in the history of the mm -hmm. country to be president. What happened to Hillary is a, it's like, we should have been in her second term now, yeah, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, I do think it's still a crisis. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a crisis, and I hope that we're— You could sneak you know, a lot of anti-woman stuff in there in the guise of it's not anti-woman. Yeah, and I see it all the time. And, you know, you don't—it's funny because if you point stuff out on Twitter or if you point stuff out on social media, people, they still have the automatic assumption that you hate men. And it's like, no, I hate patriarchy. I don't hate men. Why do I have to explain this every five seconds? You know, Because you're on Twitter. There's no I'm nuance. I'm trying to limit the replies to only people who follow me. <laughs> I know it's just pretty sad and they still don't get it but you know I just I will say this when I started out as a big mouth feminist online which is around 2012 I can definitely mm. say that I see a more positive difference now in the response yes. like I see more men who are just like finally getting it like oh it's not all men I mean you still have to say not all men but it's you know I mean because there's a thing of like white women voted for Trump whenever I see this I don't freak out and scream I didn't vote for Trump not all white I mean obviously <laughs> not all white women but as a block white women voted conservative and so I accept that and so I see more and more men accepting, you know, that there is a group that, you know, of men, whether they're liberal or most of them are conservative, but, uh, you know, or Republican. But it's like still there's still sexism. And oh, I have yeah. I have, you know, my eyes have been opened because talking about that weight thing my whole life, I've been. Oh, my God, the battle with my weight. So um, and it's just more like the battle with body hatred. Um, right. I, I have, I've been going through now, see, I forgot, I went off on a tangent and I completely forgot what I was talking about, but I think the bottom line here is that I do see that things are changing. Like you're talking about in the comedy right. world, it's changing, it's slow. I think it's changing here too. And I guess that gives me hope because, you know, we're looking at that spectacle yesterday, the last uh, several days of what they, the Republicans have done and said to Katanji Brown-Jackson. Yeah. I mean, just horrifying. Yeah. It's like, really, if they didn't, if they, if Tom Cotton had a hood on, it would make more sense. It These would. guys are clan. They're, yeah. they're white. Cruz and yeah. Cotton, and who's the third one? Oh, that Josh Hawley. Yeah, Josh Hawley. Fucking jerk. Wait, he's, his hat, with his, like, he's got a little, at the front, he's trying to have a little, uh, look at me, I'm an okay guy, I got my hair going right. up like that. <laughs> I got a little thing in the front. I'm I'm fine. I know I'm cool. Hell? <laughs> and I love insurrectionists. I hate them, I hate them so much. I hate I know. them. I hate racists. I know. I'm starting. You know what? You told me years ago about them, and I'm starting to come around. <laughs> These racists are really unpleasant people. They really are, and we have to do something yes. about it. <laughs> well, I I don't know. I, I I think last question actually I'll ask you is. How hopeful are you that we'll be able to get through this and Democrats will win in November? How, like, where are you well, on that? <laughs> I'm, I'm always, I'm always rooting for the Democrats. I mean, right. I'm always like, I don't try to, I don't go into any of this stuff. Like, I'm, you know, I had all the problems with the Bernie people. I just want to, yeah. we have to come together, right? And we, and I think we will. I think we will. I've been wrong before because I thought Hillary Clinton had won. That's what I thought. What you have. but anyway. The point is, I do think that um, it will happen. Yeah. I really do. But if I'm wrong, the other thing I'm worried about, any or if I'm right, even the other thing I'm worried about is this Putin. I know with the with the uh, the nuclear thing. But I yeah. really am better as I've gotten older because I have severe OCD. Like I'm, you know, I think I I used to think I hit somebody in my car and then I would agonized about it yeah. for weeks. I don't worry as much about things I can't control good. anymore. Yeah. That's yeah. a good thing. Yeah, because I mean, well, and I actually, I think with the Putin situation, even though it's fucking awful and people are dying and he's just cruel as can be, I don't think he's going to be able to do this much longer. No, and I, 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 think can't, you're right. I can't imagine 
that China would decide in its own interest to, ha I mean, there is no benefit for China to help Putin. So I'm just mm -hmm. hoping that they don't, and I'm hoping that, you know, I mean, the, the, the Ukrainian army is already proving to be much more um, together and capable than Russia, which, you know, we've all been conditioned to believe that they're like the, Kind of like the, the Soviets. Superhuman. Yeah, like in right? the Rocky movies, like that Dolph Lundgren guy who was like a man of steel practically, and that you could never beat them. And I, it's, clearly it's not the case. So I don't know. I, I, I just I cannot wait for it to be over. And, and I hope I that. I agree. I think it's, yeah. that part of it is great. If, he could, yeah. if Vladimir is, is taken down now, that would be the great. Oh, that would be the And it would be really great if it was by his own people. That would yes. be good. So anyway. All right. Well, Navalny. I. Huh? his name Navalny Navalny yes Navalny yeah <laughs> well it would be really good because I guess he was just he was just sentenced to nine more years nine more years yeah. right. so for, for no good reason just because uh. Putin hates him but anyway so at least uh we kind of ended this on a almost upbeat thing so <laughs> I think it's upbeat I think it's upbeat because you know I really do think <laughs> I, I actually in the I'll end on, I'll end on either an upbeat note or you may call it a downbeat note. Right. But the upbeat note is that uh, at the age of sixty-five, uh, when people ask me, I am now finally, finally going to say yes, I believe in God. Oh, I don't believe in the God of the old man. And yeah, the, me neither. But I believe in God, and me you too. can't. And if you're a mean atheist, I'm sorry. I don't care. I believe. I believe. And now I'm ready to come. I'm not. not you know, I'm not a born again person. Right. But I do believe, and I do believe this that there is a spiritual dimension to all of these things. Yes. That doesn't mean we know we're going to survive it, but it makes me more happy as a person. That's so funny you would say that because on my show just for patrons on this channel, I talk about my spiritual journey, and that's kind of exactly summed up what. I'm going wow. through right now. So yeah, that's what were you born? What were you raised in? Nothing. I'm my, I, my mother was raised Catholic and left the Catholic religion. So did my father. And so when I was born, I, nobody taught me anything and I'm not religious, but I am spiritual and I do believe in God just in the same way as you do. It's, I don't see, Oh, heavenly father kind of thing, but I think it's more of a collective intelligence love thing. But yeah, I, I kind of, I take a lot of comfort in the fact that I think that once we are done with our bodies, I think that we have a really, and I know a lot of people don't like this. I know it freaks a lot of people <laughs> out, but it's like, I think that what happens next is very positive. And of course I could be wrong. You know, nobody knows till you know, but I, I do, I do believe that. So I'm right there with you. Do you know, do you know Rory Scoville? No. He's a great comic. Very great. He, he's my hero. Cause I saw him on stage once. And he just went to the thing. He goes, "Look, nobody knows what's right. happens after death. Yeah. Nobody knows <laughs> either something happens or it or doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> but nobody knows for sure. And that's what made me like. I just can't stand these like uh, uh, new atheists, uh, Sam Harris, and all these. Oof. Well, they yeah, just, I mean, they I, just like, creep me out. I don't think you should be able to say you can't sit there and say there's no God because then you're assuming to know and you don't know and nobody and you knows. don't know. So you yeah. you it's can't say not, it's not scientific atheism. No, I guess the main thing that should be told. There's nothing scientific about saying nothing happens, even if you think well, it's just logical. It doesn't matter. We don't know what happens. No, we don't. And there's too many <laughs> mysteries in the world that we haven't figured out yet. So I'm not ready to just throw it all out and, and assume that I know everything. But I do. What think, was the other mystery? Well, there's like, well, uh, how did how did we all begin? How how come how come I our you brain? Had another rumor that was going on, like <laughs> no. about Tommy and Pam that maybe no. I didn't know. <laughs> no, but you know, just the bigger the bigger picture questions. Right. So um, there's a lot of mysteries we don't know, and I just I I love to play around with what ifs and what could be and theories and things like that. It's just fun. It's how I get through my life. So you know, like yeah. I said, I'm on the same page with you. Um, before... Wonderful. That makes me happy. <laughs> before... I mean, it's not that you have to be. If you're an atheist, like I do a joke in my act to be like, when I was a kid, atheists were like, they weren't so mean. It was like an atheist was just someone who looked upset at a picnic. You know, it's like, what's the matter, Uncle Leo? Well, there's nothing after death. And I'm a little depressed about it. Okay, have some potatoes. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my god. Well, you know, I wouldn't mind if there was nothing because then we wouldn't have to deal with any of this crap anymore on I Earth. <laughs> so I mean, there's good things right. and there's a lot of crap. So, um, all right. I think I think I know you got to go. So before I let you go, please tell everybody where they can find you. Oh, you can find me on uh, on. Uh... <laughs> Lies. You just said something to me that I realized my Facebook account has been hacked and I can't get it back. Oh, no. So now I'm at the point where I'm saying, look, Facebook, I would like to kill my account too. Just give me control back. Yeah, really. You have a public. So you can mostly get me at Andy Kindler on Twitter. I'm trying to figure out Instagram, but I'm not doing too well. At it. But that would be the. <laughs> there's also andykindler.com if you like a website that never changes. If you like club dates from the 40s, visit my website. <laughs> well, I have put your Twitter handle and your website in the Patreon description of this show. Go check him out. Go follow him. He's oh my god! Obviously, you're so fucking great. And then I am author Kimberly K I M B E R L E Y. Don't forget that extra e. My books are on Amazon. Thank you so much, Andy. This was great. I really had a great time. I hope that we do this again. Well, we absolutely will. <laughs> I'm, I'm available. Awesome. All right. Well, I will remember that. You take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.